Hopefully you guys have had a good time uh, so far with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is kind of that kickoff to the holidays, and we got this four or five week uh, time here where it really is uh, full, uh, full speed ahead with the holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving is a fun one because it involves food. In fact, I, that's what I love about holidays is the food. Uh, anyone else get your full share of Thanksgiving turkey? Anyone else do anything besides turkey? Of course, game, game hen? Oh my goodness. Anyone do ham? No one does ham? I heard ham was popular this year. We do the turkey. We go, we go turkey. And it's been pretty good the last couple of years, actually. This happened, though. So uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving night, we go to a hotel in Seattle, and, uh, our family, and we spend the night there so that we can go to the Macy's Parade the next morning. Because it's at 9 in the morning, and we aren't that ambitious to get there in time. So we get a hotel the night before. A lot of fun. While we're at the hotel swimming in the pool, my wife says, you know, I think next year... Uh, I think um, we should just buy our food. Like, instead of make it, we should just uh, pay someone else to make it. And I was like, no. I said, it was great. I said, it was incredible because she did all the cooking. She goes, yeah. And so while you were in there watching football with your family, I was cooking the whole time. Which at that point, as a husband, warning lights are going off like crazy. (laughs) And I said, yeah, no, we should buy it next year. That's a great idea. (laughs) Or, as my mom would say, maybe I should have helped. So... I love you, and you were happy to do it. You were amazingly happy to do it. Anyone watch football during Thanksgiving? Anyone have that be a part of your tradition? That, for me, growing up, I love sports. I love football. Uh, Thanksgiving, always, 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 always. Um, that's what we did uh, Thursday morning. We were watching football. And now, nowadays, they have three NFL games. Back in the day, they only had two NFL games. And they had that early one that started at 930, and then they had the one after that. Anyone remember the team that played at the early game? Remember the team? Always. It was always in Detroit, yeah, and Dallas was the one after. You, you get half credit for that. Uh, but yeah, Detroit, the Detroit Lions. And that early game was never good. Like, <laughs> never good. You know why? Because the Detroit Lions, I mean, they try, right? A for effort, but they just really struggle. In fact, if you average out their win-loss, I think over the last 20 years, they average for a typical season five wins, woohoo, but 11 losses. Just think about it. Five wins, 11 losses. And, I mean, as frustrating, I, I was, Monday night, I was at the Seahawks game with Ryan Chavez. As frustrating as that loss was to the Falcons, and, and here's a picture, actually. This picture just shows how terrible I am at taking pictures. This is the worst picture ever. Like, this is top 10 worst photography skills ever. But that's what I did. I mean, this is a hilarious picture. I took it, and I'm like, wow. And then I'm like, I'm going to show it at church on Sunday. But anyway, so we went to the game. As, as painful as that loss was, and it was painful, I, I was thinking, and I was, I was thinking about this week, can we just be a little thankful for the amazing years we've had with the Seattle Seahawks? And anytime you start complaining, just think, for the last 10 years, you could have been rooting for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Do you have a better picture? No, I'm looking at your face out loud. Oh, poor Tom. This is the pastor down the road. He said, I hate being a Lions fan. They suck so bad. How can an organization be so inept for 50 plus years? (laughs) Other teams have accidentally won championships. Thankful for everything in life except for the Lions. (laughs) So the poor Lions, right? We all feel bad for the Lions. But here's the deal. When I was a kid, again, we'd go to Aunt Kitty's house uh, on, on Thursday mornings. We would watch that game. Even though the games weren't so good, 
you still watched because they had a running back, a running back who was like no one compared to this guy. Anyone remember his name? Who? Barry Sanders. Anyone remember Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders, he could do stuff that nobody else did. He spun, he joked and jived, and he, he did things that nobody else did. And so we would watch. Even if they're losing, even if they're getting destroyed, demolished, we would watch. You know why we watched? Because we knew we didn't want to miss something special. We didn't want to miss something special because this is Barry Sanders. I was thinking about it this week. Is that ever how the disciples felt as they watched Jesus? Where maybe the score felt a little lopsided, where things weren't going so well, where things were a little rough, more of a struggle than a victory. But those disciples, if you remember, they kept on watching. They kept on watching because this is Jesus. This is Jesus. And they had been around long enough with Jesus that they knew what Jesus could do. They saw him feed the 4,000. They saw him feed the 5,000. They saw the man was blind. Doesn't matter. Jesus heals him. The man can't walk. Doesn't matter. Jesus makes him walk. The lady, she has an issue of blood. Doesn't matter. He heals the lady with the issue of blood. He saw, they saw Jesus walk on water. They saw, hey, that guy's dead. Doesn't matter. Jesus raises the man back from death to life. And so when others stopped watching the disciples, they said, no, 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 we're going to keep watching. In fact, there's this one scene. It's kind of an intense scene. John chapter 6. Jesus is given this teaching. It's pretty radical when you think about it. He says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Now, we just kind of religiousize that and Christianize that and be like, oh, yeah, isn't that special? But it's like, Ryan, unless you eat of my flesh, come on, take a big knot. If you drink my blood, are you kidding me? And he says, you got to do that if you want to have eternal life. So a lot of people are like, this guy's crazy. This guy's whack. We're out of here. We're leaving. Just bye. And so they leave. And Jesus turns to the disciples. He's like, well, you guys leaving too? You guys out of here too? Remember what they said? You remember what Simon said? Lord, where would we go? Where would we go? You, I, I, I can also, this part isn't in there, but I'm a little disturbed by your teaching. But where else would we go? You have, what did he say? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. I think the longer that you're a Christian, the more this becomes true for your life. Where, where things happen. Negative things happen. Bad things happen. Hurtful things happen. And you can be tempted to leave Jesus. But you don't. Because you remember who he is. This is Jesus. This is the Holy One of God. In him is eternal life. In him is the fullness of life. And so even when it gets hard, even when it looks a little ugly, gets a little uncomfortable, even when it feels like more of a struggle than a victory, you don't leave Jesus. Now, maybe you think about it. You ever think about it? Right? You ever think in your mind, like, I'm just done. I I'm done. Have you ever tried? I think we've all tried at different times. But you come back. Why do you come back? Because you realize there ain't nobody like Jesus. There ain't nobody like Jesus. You thought Barry Sanders was amazing. Just watch what Jesus can do. Let's be honest, in many ways we have taken, I know I said this during worship, but we've just taken how incredibly amazing and awesome Jesus is just a little bit for granted. I think we take what he has done just a little bit for granted. Remember, in Jesus, the Holy One of God is eternal life. Whoever believes in him, whoever follows him, you have your sins removed, your sins forgiven, and you're given eternal life. Who in the history of mankind has even come close to matching what Jesus can do. 
And so when we consider this moment, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here because of Jesus. We're not here because we're just so happy and everything's going so great. And, you know, we just woke up, couldn't think of a better thing to do on a Sunday morning. And I heard they have snacks, so let's go to church. That's not why we're here. We do have good snacks, by the way. No, we're here. We're here. I'm here. You're here because you've seen what Jesus can do. We've experienced him. We've experienced the salvation, the deliverance, the freedom, the rescue that only he can bring. I was just thinking about when you guys were saying what you're thankful for. You've seen what Jesus can do and has done and will do. And yeah, you have questions. Yeah, you have concerns. Yeah, you have doubts. But even with all that, you keep watching, right? Even in your darkest days, you you keep your eyes fixated on Jesus. You run to Jesus. You run to gatherings like this that are all about Jesus because you know in him, in Jesus Christ, are the words of eternal life, the words of everlasting life. And I think when you come on a Sunday morning, of course you wish that your, your spouse came or your kids came or, or your parents came because you love these people and you, you wish they were here. But regardless of what they're doing right now, I just want to encourage you, you came. You came. You didn't have to come, but you came. And maybe you came alone, but in doing so, you're making a statement. You're saying, you know what? I'm not turning away from him. I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. I believe in Jesus. In fact, when I came through those doors, I had an expectation to meet with Jesus. I'm here to watch what Jesus can do, to praise Jesus, to worship Jesus, to adore Jesus, to follow hard after the only one who can save me from my sins, to follow the king, who one day, by the way, is coming back to rule and reign on this earth. But I'm not even waiting for one day. I'm like Today, praising Jesus, the one who wants to rule and reign in my life. And I say, Jesus, have your way. Rule and reign in my life. And when you came to church this morning, you made that statement of faith saying, I am not leaving. I'm keeping my eyes focused on Jesus. I'm watching him. And wherever he goes, I'm going. Whatever he does, I'm going to do him. Whatever he says, I'm going to say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I read the book of Philippians on Tuesday, and we're kind of in a fun part of our uh, reading plan because in the New Testament, the letters are pretty short. So you can, you're kind of zooming through these letters in, in the month of December. And, and Philippians, we read on Tuesday. Right away, Paul uh, writes something that just resonated with me. Listen to what he says. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Everyone say, with joy. Isn't that good? He says, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. I was thinking about what Paul says. You need to know that you, Life Spring Church, you bring me joy. You do. I, last Sunday, I was just so happy as I was walking around the church. I was just seeing Angie working in the nursery, and Pete was over there teaching the kids, and we got Donna and Carson, and we got Donna and Terry doing the food and the coffee and the snacks, and we got Chuck and Lori Kuval doing the ushers and the greeters, and then we got George being a greeter, we got Kent Ross doing whatever Kent Ross does, and, and, and that's just scratching the surface of all the things that you guys were doing, serving as the body of Christ on a Sunday morning. And, and Sundays are amazing for me, because when I come in on a Sunday morning, I just get to see Jesus. I get to see Jesus all over the place. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And of course, we know it doesn't stop here, right? It's not like you guys are living here. Uh, you actually leave, and I'm, I'm sure North Hill Adventists are happy that you leave because that would be complicated if you stayed here. But you leave, and so you go out. And so, yeah, you're Jesus here, but you're also Jesus in your workplace. You're Jesus in your family. You're Jesus over at your school, whatever school you might be going to. You're Jesus to your spouse, Jesus to your kids, Jesus to your employer, Jesus to your boss. You're Jesus. 
Jesus in you and through you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm truly thankful for you. What a privilege it is for me to partner with you in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting that we're partners together? We are co-laborers in Christ, partnering together for the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm so, so very thankful for each one of you. And then Paul says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Just that first part. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. I want us to feel what this verse is saying. Your love, and hopefully you got some love, (laughs) but your love, that it would overflow more and more and more. What is he saying? He's saying, I pray that your love won't stay the same. Right? I, I pray that your love wouldn't stay the same. So wherever you find yourself today, wherever you found yourself as you came through those doors today, that this isn't as good as it gets. Church, it gets better. You're not done growing. God's not done with you yet. Life spring, you just need to hear that. He's not done with you. Paul says, church, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your love. That love that Jesus put in you. That love that Jesus deposited in you. That love, the otherworldly love that kind of confuses this world. The love where you actually lay down your life for another. Where when they ask you to walk one mile, you walk two. Where when they strike you on one cheek, you actually offer the other. That kind of love. He says, I'm praying that love would grow. And it would grow and grow to such a magnitude that it would just begin to overflow. I ask you a question. Have you ever had a toilet overflow? Is there anything more stressful than a toilet overflowing? I mean, it is one of the worst things. Why? Because you don't know what to do. Like, it's just going everywhere. You don't know how to stop it. You're just freaking out. It is literally going all over the place. You know what we really do when the toilet overflows? Trevin! Help! And Trevin's like, what, what, what? Get the towels! Get the towels. As awful as it is when a toilet overflows, think about how good and wonderful and exciting and beautiful it is when your love overflows and your love just goes everywhere. I mean, no one is safe from your love. I mean, it's going everywhere. Like, we got to run to the hills. Get away from that person. Like, they got love just oozing out of them. Like, run! No one's safe from their love. Have you ever lived that way? Have you ever lived that way where your attitude, your words, your posture, action, spirit, it just all comes from a place of overflow? Isn't that beautiful when you live from the overflow? I'd encourage you, don't be anemic in your love. Don't be stingy in your love. I hear so many good excuses from people for why they don't want to love another person. But don't be like the world. The world, they are really good at not loving other people. But no, you Keep your eyes fixated on Jesus Christ. Be fixated on his love. Let his love just invade you and that you would be overflowing with his love, his love, his love. Not empty, but overflowing with love. And then Paul says that he prays prays that the church would keep growing in knowledge and understanding. So he wants the love to overflow more and more, and then he wants you to keep growing in knowledge and understanding. And life spring with that, I just want to say, just dive in. Dive in. Keep growing. If you're trying to live the Christian life today in the year 2017 based on something that happened to you in 1970 or 1980 or 2000 or 2010, just stop it. That's old manna, right? I mean, this is a journey. This is a daily walk with the Lord. You should never stop discovering the Lord. Never stop journeying with the Lord. Never let, stop just letting him take your breath away. Ne- never stop seeking him and spending time with him. The universe was created through him. 
The universe, the entire universe created from him. That's how big he is. You're never going to get bored with him. You're never going to run out of things to do with him. You're never going to run out of ways to spend time with him. In fact, at the very end of John, this is what John says about Jesus. He says, there are many more things that Jesus did. If all of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself would have space for the books that would be written. That's the God we serve. Bigger, better than we can imagine. And Paul prays for the church 2,000 years ago. I was compelled to pray for you this week. Man, just don't settle. Don't settle for what you already know or what you already think you know. There's, you know, I, I struggle with this. I think we all do at different times. This, just, this religious pride that says we know all the answers. Can we just humble ourselves and be in a posture of learning, just pressing in, pursuing the Lord, being active in our faith, pressing in in our faith, alive in our faith, moving forward in our faith, pressing into the Holy Spirit, pressing into what it means to follow Christ, pressing into what it even means to grow, to become more like Jesus, Jesus Christ each and every day. For some of you, maybe that means reading your Bible, opening your Bible. And maybe that's what it means for you to grow. Some of you, maybe it means opening your Bible more. Just to grow in the things of God, to know Christ, to, to become more like Christ. For others of you, I said this first service, but for some of you, maybe it's uh, opening up your mouth. I was hanging with Ryan again at the Monday Night Seahawks game, and, and he's just on fire for the Lord, and he wants to grow, and he wants to keep on learning, and, and he was with the pastor, so I just talked to him about God for hours and hours. And it was awesome, but one of the things I said to him, I said, make sure there are times when you're singing to Jesus when no one else is around. And that's so important, especially as a worship leader. Make sure there are times when you are singing to Jesus when you're not three feet higher than everybody else, right? Make sure you're singing when nobody else is around. What are you doing in that secret place? You are exercising those faith muscles. You are seeking the Lord and you are growing in the Lord. I want Ryan to grow in the Lord. I want you to grow in the Lord. Don't wait until Sunday morning to grow in your knowledge and understanding of the Lord. Press into him when you wake up. Press into them when you sleep. Press into them on your commute. Press into them when you're around the dinner table. Sing a song. Read a scripture. Journal. Whatever you got to do, press in. I'm telling you, church, he's going to reveal himself. He's going to reveal himself, and you are going to grow in knowledge and understanding. And then we see Paul's heart for the church in the next verse, and this is what it's all about. He says, for I want you to understand what really matters. I love Paul just his adoration for these people. He loves these people. He goes, I want you, do you see his heart? He goes, I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. See, Paul, he wanted the church to grow in their knowledge and understanding of Christ because he knew that as they grew in Christ, they'd become more like Christ. That who they were, like inside and out. So their words, but also their thoughts. Their outward actions, but also their inward motivations. That their very lives would be changed to be more like Christ. And the more they understood who they were in Christ, the more they understood what it means to be a new creation, born again, where you take off the old self and you put on the new self, perfect in Christ. The more they understood this reality, the more they would be able to walk forward from this reality, living lives that would be pure and blameless until Jesus comes back. And then Paul says, next verse, he says, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, what is it? The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Press in, church. 
Press in. Press in. Get to know Jesus. Get your mind and your heart fixated on him. Locking your eyes onto Jesus. Let your love, his love in you, overflow in your life where it's just going everywhere. Grow in your knowledge and grow in your understanding of him. Get to know him and get to know who you are in him. And the more you understand who you are in Christ, that you're forgiven and free and righteous and holy, not because of anything you've done, but because of what he's done, you're going to grow. It's just the way it works in the spiritual realm. You're going to grow. Spiritually grow. You're going to go from a spiritual infant. Who is just tired of being a spiritual infant? Don't you want to grow in the Lord? But when you press into the Lord, you're not a spiritual infant anymore. As you continue to surrender and humble yourself and yield yourself and give him permission to have his way in your life, he's going to do something supernaturally good in you. He's going to move in miraculous, supernatural, powerful ways in you and through you. And a righteous character is going to be developed within you. Who you are, the very character, essence of who you are is going to bring much glory glory and so much praise to God that's the Christian life that's the excitement of being alive of breathing oxygen today that I am being transformed to be more like Christ you are being transformed to be more like Christ and the righteous character the goodness of God that is on display in you life I just want you to know well done well done I love hanging out with my friends and family at life spring I see this in you. I was reading, I was just blown away. I was hearing Paul and I'm like, this is life spring. This is you guys. This is you. I experience this on a daily basis from you. I just see how the decisions you make, hard decisions you make, the way you love one another, the way you forgive one another. I see Christ in you and through you and all around you and your lives are bringing glory and praise to God. It's unbelievable to me. I, the way you respond to our greater community and, and how you just respond to them from that overflow of Christ. I got a voicemail this week from a lady who was just so appreciative of that Thanksgiving meal that you, you gave uh, to the people over that complex, um, uh, that, that direction. And she was just so thankful and so appreciative. And, and you guys, I just want to encourage you in that. Awesome, but don't settle. Right? Hallelujah. But let's be eagerly awaiting what's next. What do you got for us, God? Right? Because I don't know about you. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still growing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm still growing. I'm growing. You're growing. I pray for you. Pray for me. Please pray for me. Lord Jesus, I pray for my pastor that he would just overflow with love, that people just would have to run to the hills to get away from the love that is in him. I just pray that he would grow in knowledge and understanding, that he would walk pure and blameless in you, Jesus Christ. You pray that for me, I'll pray that for you. How sad it would be if someone was visiting right now and 10 years later they came back to the same place and they said, oh man, you're just all the same. You're just all the same. We need to hear this. I actually believe that's an impossibility. That will never happen for any church that's surrendered to God. Because when God sees a people who are walking in humility, walking in surrender, he will always finish the good work that he started in us. See, when you're seeking the face of God, he's going to come in, he's going to do what only he can do, and you're going to grow. Do you believe that? A surrendered heart. God will never waste a surrendered heart. That's one of the reasons why worship is so important. Again, worship is so important. If you want to grow in the things of God, sorry, piano, I hit you kind of hard. If you want to grow in the things of God, worship the Lord. If you're struggling, and by the way, there's going to be times of struggle. When you're struggling, sing louder. 
If you're discouraged, if you're depressed, raise your hands higher, bow your knees lower, do whatever you got, worship the Lord. There's never a season where we should be absent in our worship because in worship, what are we doing? We're actively, willingly in faith. We're laying our lives, our very lives down before God saying, you know what? I'm tired of worshiping myself. I'm tired of just trying to live my life for my needs and my wants and my desires and make me happy and make me feel better. I'm just exhausted from living for me. I actually want to live for you. So here's my stuff. God, right here, just throw it down at the cross. Here's all my stuff, and I'm ready to live for you, Jesus. Jesus, and you just start singing, and you don't even believe it at first, but you just keep singing and singing, pressing in. Not my stuff, because when you start singing, you actually kind of want to pick up some of that stuff again. Like, well, maybe I don't really want to worship you. I'm, I'm kind of happy. With, no, no, I'm worshiping ah, Jesus. Jesus, worship is so powerful because I'm not singing anymore about me and my stuff and my wants and my desires. I'm singing about Him. I'm singing about Him. And what happens even this, this morning as we were singing a faith begins to rise up. A faith rises up within me, but a faith rises up in the collective body of Christ when we sing about Jesus. Hallelujah. At the Last Supper, and we've been talking a lot about the Last Supper lately. It's a powerful scene, but it's the last meal Jesus has with his disciples and uh, before his death. And the Bible says that they sang a hymn, and then after the hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. They go to the olive grove called Gethsemane. We've, we've heard all this before, right? And that's where Jesus is betrayed. That's where Jesus is arrested. But then there's this mill. Before all that goes down, there's this mill. And at the mill, my Lord and Savior sang. Is it? Anyone else is kind of like, that's pretty awesome. Pretty cool. Jesus. I mean, that's powerful. Powerful. I mean, just think. Think of all the emotions Jesus must have been going through at that time. And you kind of see the emotions come out in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The prayers that he prays to his father, extremely intense. But here he is, Last Supper, singing to his father. What is he singing? He's probably singing the goodness of his father, about the character of his father, about the nature of his father, about the love of his father. And he's singing all that on that night. Of all nights to be singing, he's singing on that night. What faith. What faith. I was thinking about it. If, if we knew that we were going to be arrested, if we knew we were going to be killed, would we be singing a song to our heavenly father? And I actually came to the conclusion as Christians that we could actually say, yeah, we would. We'd be singing a song. Because as people who are becoming more like Christ, growing each day in our new nature, new identity, we would sing. Because if Jesus, my Lord and Savior, sang, and if Jesus is in me, Christ, the hope of glory, guess who else is going to sing? I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing. As Jesus sings, I'm going to sing. And then go back to Philippians 1. Paul says at the very end of the chapter, he says, above all, else this is so powerful to me he says you must live as citizens of heaven everyone say citizens of heaven <clears throat> conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of christ about christ then whether i come and see you again or only hear about you i will know that you're standing together with one spirit one purpose fighting together for the faith which is the good news don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in, uh, trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Verse 30, we are in this struggle together. Live, life spring, as citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. So you live in America. You live in the state of Washington. And so you're citizens of Washington. You're citizens of the United States. But more than that, you're a citizen of heaven. I think sometimes we forget that. 
We're citizens of heaven. Conduct yourself as a citizen of heaven. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Jesus Christ. Well, how do you do that? How do you live as a citizen of heaven, conducting yourself worthy of the good news of Jesus? Do you just try harder? Do you just try to do a bunch of good things and not do a bunch of bad things? No. No, you, you yield. You surrender. To what? To the authority of heaven. Right? If you're a citizen of heaven, then uh, who rules and reigns in your life? Jesus, right? The authority of heaven is what you live by. And so you kind of have to get to a place of surrender and, and yielding and submitting where you place your life underneath Christ, you, where you yield to Christ, you yield to the power of God, the same power as we sang about that raised Jesus from the dead that is living inside of you. you. You surrender to him and you let him rule and reign in you. And as he does, you actually begin to live the good life that brings glory to God. And the more you grow in your knowledge and more you grow in your understanding of what it means to be born again, to have a new identity, you actually learn how to be a citizen of heaven. You've got to give yourself some grace in this. You're learning how to be a citizen of heaven. You don't come out of the womb, new creation, just knowing how to do this thing. Give yourself some grace about it. Learn. You're learning. I'm learning. You're learning. I think that's one of the great parts about coming together on a Sunday morning. One of the most powerful parts of being in a community of Jesus followers is we are learning how to be a citizen of heaven. Anyone else had to learn how to love another person? How to forgive another person, right? That's a big deal. But in the midst of other people, messy people like yourself, with God's help, you are learning. You're learning to love and to forgive. You're learning to encourage. I think that's one of the great things of being in the body of Christ is we learn how to encourage one another. As Paul says in the passage, you learn how to stand together. Stand together with one spirit, one purpose, where you're actually fighting together for the faith. Together. So you're not fighting against each other. You're fighting with each other. Together for the faith. As citizens of heaven, I think you need to hear this. You're on the same team. But again, it's something you've got to learn. Give yourself grace to learn how to fight together. And give the person next to you some grace to learn how to fight together on the same team. The more and more that... We wouldn't live like people of the world, but instead live as citizens of heaven who are united with one spirit and one purpose. We're going to see Jesus as we fight together as one body. We're going to see Jesus. And as we stand together in unity, as Paul says in verse 28, he says, don't be intimidated, church, in any way by your enemies. Don't you just love that phrase? That's so good. So as you stand together with one spirit, one purpose, as you fight together, every person rising up in faith, a collective faith rising up, even when it's hard, even when you're struggling, even when you're hurting, even when you're in pain, even when you're suffering, when we stand together, this will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you're going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. We're in the struggle together. And then Paul writes, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't, don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And I love that I'm in a church where I see this on display. I see this in you. I'm thankful for you, church. I'm thankful. I thank the Lord for you. I thank the Lord that I get to see Jesus in you and the way you love, the way you forgive, the way you stand together, the way you worship together, the way you serve 
together. But let's not settle. Let's not settle. At 8.15, Cindy Ferris prayed, Lord, we don't want to settle. Let's not settle. Let's be open to what God might want to do in us and through us. I believe our best days are still ahead of us. Of course they are, because God's doing a work in us. It's a good work. It's a holy work. It's a beautiful work. And he is faithful to complete the work that he started in us. He's growing us. We're learning what it means to overflow in love. We're learning what it means to grow in knowledge and understanding. He's teaching us. He's actually teaching. In this morning, as we're hanging out and rubbing shoulders with each other, he's actually teaching us how to live as citizens of heaven. He's teaching us how to look at the interests of others, at the needs of others. He's teaching me. He's teaching you how not to be selfish. He's teaching us how not to be prideful. He's teaching us how to come together with one mind, one purpose. He is teaching us by the Holy Spirit. He is making us more like his son, Jesus Christ. I want to close with this. And worship team, if you want to come on up. Man, if this could just be true of us, and I believe it is, but let this just be planted on our hearts today. He says in the book of Hebrews, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. And good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing. I think about this world and the craziness of the world, and there's a lot of tough things going on right now. But Lord, I know your spirit. Your spirit is alive. I just, I, I, I see it all around me. I see you just working in so many different people in my life. And Lord, we just say, come Holy Spirit, come. Continue to do that work in our world. Continue to do that work in my heart and in my mind and in my body. Continue to do that work in this church, in LifeSpring Church. Continue, Lord, just to have your way in this place. And I think in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the darkness, Lord, sometimes we just feel like giving up. But then we remember, no way, I ain't giving up because I'm a follower of Jesus and I know what Jesus can do and I know what Jesus will do. And the reality is one day you're coming back, Jesus. One day you're coming back to rule and reign. But for us, Lord, for this tiny congregation on this hill we call Edgewood, we're not waiting until one day. We're saying this day, rule and reign in our lives. This day, have your way in our lives where one day every tongue will confess, every knee will bow and confess that you are Lord. I'm, I'm not waiting for that day. We bow our knee today. We confess today that you are Lord and Savior of our lives. So Jesus, have your way in this place. Just continue to move in power. Continue to move in radical ways where this world is so good at hating one another, so good at lashing out at one another. May we be kind of good at loving one another. Could we kind of be good at forgiving one another? Could we kind of be good at just continuing to learn how to fight together, not with each other, but uh, not against each other, but with each other? Lord, would you just help us? Help us, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the good things that are going on in this church. I thank you for the freedom that is happening in so many people's lives. I thank you where so many people where we used to live in a way that lashed out and got angry and got bitter and got um, uh, defensive and all those types of things, Lord. You've brought in a softness into this church. You've brought in a kindness and a tenderness into so many people. You've brought a compassion into the hearts of so many people. I thank you for that, God. I thank you, Lord, where so many of us used to just, just hold people down to the iron 
and we just, we just would try to get every penny out of every person in our lives. Just, we need it to be fair. We need it to be fair. We need it to be fair. And yet, Lord, we have come into a gentleness that actually says, no, it might not be fair, but I love you. It might not be just, but I love you. Lord, you've shown us what it looks like to humble ourselves in your presence, to humble ourselves where, where we just actually trust that you are the judge and we are not the judge. I thank you, God, that you're doing that in this community. And I just pray for more. Just more, Lord. Just more. And I know you're faithful to complete the good work. But just keep it going, Lord. Keep it going. And if there's any visitors here today, and if they came back in 10 years, they'd just step back and their jaw would drop as they just saw Jesus ruling and reigning in this place like never before. Lord, just more, Jesus. More, Jesus. More of you, Jesus. More of you, Jesus. More of you, Jesus. May this be a house of prayer. May this be a house of worship where you and you alone are glorified. Ah, I love you, Jesus, and I love this place. This is a good day. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you